G'day. Welcome to God's Word Today's World, applying scripture to modern life. My name is Dan Van Werkhoven. I'm an Aussie writer and pastor living with my wife on a tiny island called Saipan. Join me today as I dig into scripture and explore how God's Word can still be applied to our lives thousands of years later. Hey, you're listening to episode 9 of the God's Word Today's World podcast. In today's episode, we're looking at what it means to suffer persecution, what that tells us about our faith, about how we're living our life. We'll see that despite the pain, despite the suffering it brings, we can also be encouraged by it. And I know that sounds crazy, but today we'll watch the disciples praising God because they were publicly flogged for Jesus' name. If you want access to the show notes and the full transcript, you can find that over at www.godswordtodaysworld.com forward slash listen and look for episode 9 on the list. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so by leaving a rating and review on iTunes. But without further ado... Let's dig in. Last week in episode 8 of the God's Word Today's World podcast, we had a look at how when we repent of sin, God takes our ugly life and makes it beautiful. When we repent of sin, we cease to be slaves to sin, but we have a new master, God. We also saw that we can damage our testimony by refusing to give up sin in our life. But when we repent of that sin, our freedom from it can become a part of our testimony because it's a personal example of God's forgiveness, grace, and mercy. Today's episode ties back to an event, though, that we looked at a few weeks ago. Peter and John were thrown into prison overnight and then questioned by the priests. They were told to stop speaking about Jesus, to which Peter and, to which Peter and John responded in Acts chapter 4, verse 19 to 20 in the NIV, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him. You be the judges As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. In Acts 5 today, we see them doing exactly what they said they would, and that is continuing to speak about Jesus. So Acts chapter 5, verses 12 to 42, and this is the World English Bible. By the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done amongst the people. They were all in one accord in Solomon's porch. None of the rest dared to join them. However, the people honored them. More believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. They even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mattresses, so that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might overshadow some of them. The multitude also came together from the cities around Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. 
But the high priest rose up, and all those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with jealousy and laid hands on the apostles, then put them in public custody. But an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors by night and brought them out and said, Go, stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. When they heard this, they entered into the temple about daybreak and taught. But the high priest came and those who were with him and called the council together and all the senate of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But the officers who came didn't find them in the prison. They returned and reported, We found the prison shut and locked, and the guards standing before the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the high priest, the captain of the temple, and the chief priest heard these words, they were very perplexed about them, and what had become of this. One came and told them, Behold, the men whom you put into prison are in the temple standing and teaching the people. Then the captain went with the officers and brought them without violence, for they were afraid that the people might stone them. When they had brought them, they sent them before the council. The high priest questioned them, saying, Didn't we strictly command you not to teach in this name? Behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you killed, hanging him on a tree. God exalted him with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, to give repentance to Israel and remission of sins. We are his witnesses of these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. But they, when they had heard this, were cut to the heart and were determined to kill him. But one stood up in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, honored by all the people, and commanded to put the apostles out for a little while. He said to them, You men of Israel, be careful concerning these men, what you are about to do. For before these days, Theodos rose up, making himself out to be somebody, to whom a number of men, about four hundred, joined themselves. He was slain, and all, as many as obeyed him, were dispersed, and came to nothing. After this man, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the enrollment, and drew away some people to him. He also perished, and all, as many as obeyed him, were scattered abroad. Now I tell you, withdraw from these men and leave them alone. For if this counsel or this work is of men, it will be overthrown. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow it, and you will be found even to be fighting against God. They agreed with him. Summoning the apostles, they beat them and commanded them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and let them go. They therefore departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for Jesus' name. Every day, in the temple and at home, they never stopped teaching and preaching Jesus the Christ. 
So the disciples were warned to no longer speak of Jesus, but they knew they needed to follow Jesus' command to be his witnesses. And so despite being warned in Acts 2 to keep silent about Jesus, they met together in a public place, Solomon's Colonnade. Crowds gathered around them, even from the towns around Jerusalem. People brought their sick in the hopes that Peter's shadow might fall on some of them and heal them. And Luke records that all were healed, not from Peter's shadow, not from Peter's power, but from the Holy Spirit through Peter. Of course, all of this earned them a lot of attention from the high priest and his associates, and filled with jealousy that the apostles were more respected and honored than they, they arrested the apostles. But they were fighting against God. They weren't fighting against mere men. An angel of the Lord released them from prison, and the next day, the apostles continued to teach. So the apostles were once again brought before the Sanhedrin, and the high priest says, We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. This response is a sad example of the lies that they were willing to tell in order to keep their power. They claimed that the apostles were trying to make them guilty of Jesus' death. They very conveniently ignored the very words they spoke to Pilate during Jesus' trial. This can be found in Matthew chapter 27, verse 20 to 25 in the World English Bible. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitudes to ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. But the governor asked them, which of the two do you want me to release to you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, What then shall I do to Jesus, who is called Christ? They all said to him, Let him be crucified. But the governor said, Why? What evil has he done? But they cried out exceedingly, saying, Let him be crucified. So when Pilate saw that nothing was being gained, but rather that a disturbance was starting, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this righteous person. You see to it. All the people answered, May his blood be on us and our children. The chief priests and the elders were there when Jesus was sentenced, and they all responded with, His blood is on us and our children. Now, a few months later, however, They don't want to have that responsibility. They don't want to be known as being responsible for Jesus' death. And they're angry at the apostles for saying that they killed Jesus. The apostles, however, stand by what they said last time Peter and John were before the Sanhedrin. They declared that they would continue to tell the truth of what happened, no matter the consequences. We must obey God rather than human beings. They were willing to die for the truth. Then, while many were furious and screaming for the apostles' blood, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, ordered the apostles to be put outside so he could talk to the Sanhedrin. This, by the way, is the same Gamaliel whom Paul studied under. Gamaliel gives two examples of revolts led by men. In both, when the leader died, the revolt failed. 
He likens Christianity to those revolts, and he tells them that Jesus, the leader of this Christian movement, has been killed. If this revolt is a man-made thing, it will soon die. However, if it's from God, Gamaliel warns them they won't be able to stop the apostles. They'll only find themselves fighting against God. So, they had the apostles flogged and ordered them again not to speak in the name of Jesus, then let them go. The apostles left, and this is amazing. They rejoiced because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for Jesus, and they continued to teach and proclaim the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. When I read this account, two things really stood out to me. Number one, Gamaliel's words, but if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. And number two, the apostles rejoiced because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for Jesus' name. What is so incredible is that how these things work together. When we face persecution from our faith, Those persecuting us aren't going against us. They're fighting against God. Think about that. Any attack you've ever had against your faith isn't just against you. It's against God. We're not alone. Far from it. If we keep focusing on God in those times, if we continue to seek to follow him, we're not fighting by ourselves. We're not going to lose because this fight isn't against us. It's against God himself. If we forget that, if we forget whose side we're on, it makes the second point very difficult to do. It's not easy to rejoice over suffering, no matter how subtle that suffering might be. And the apostles' persecution was far from subtle. They were flogged, meaning they were stripped down to practically nothing and whipped probably 39 times, which is one less than the legal limit of 40. They were all in incredible pain, and yet they rejoiced and said, we've been counted worthy of suffering for Jesus. But what does counted worthy mean? See, They were persecuted because they refused to stop speaking about Jesus. They spoke about him to huge crowds in public places. They demonstrated God's love and God's truth. The result of that was people gave their lives to Jesus. In other words, the devil started losing numbers. He had convinced many that Jesus wasn't God, but now people were seeing the truth and giving their lives to Jesus. They were repenting of sins and followed God. Those men and women, in turn, told others the truth about Jesus. And so, people the devil had trapped with the lure of money, lust, and power, began to see that those things had never satisfied. They could never satisfy. There would always be a hole in their hearts so long as they pursued them. What they discovered was that Jesus fills that hole. People realized 
that what they needed wasn't more power, more money, more sex. It was God's grace, forgiveness, and love. Thousands of people were realizing that. Thousands of people were realizing that all Satan told was lies. But the apostles? The apostles told the truth about God, the truth about Jesus, even though for for many it had been hard to hear. And the way the apostles spoke to and treated people demonstrated God's love and compassion. They were letting the light of Jesus shine bright in their lives, and the world hated that. They were persecuted because they were allowing the Holy Spirit to make a difference through their lives. They were being persecuted because they were boldly sharing the gospel. If they had hidden in a room and refused to utter a word about Jesus, they'd have been left alone. But they didn't hide. They let the light of Christ shine brightly in their lives without covering it, without hiding it. And they knew they were doing the right thing. They knew they were honoring God because they began to suffer like Jesus had when he lived his life telling the world the truth that he was the Son of God. Persecution to the apostles was proof they were living lives that declared the truth about Jesus. And 2,000 years hasn't changed what persecution means. Today, persecution is still proof that we're living lives that honor God. Persecution and suffering disgrace for Jesus' name is still something to rejoice about. And this is why it's so important that we learn how to recognize persecution in all its forms, as I talked about a few weeks ago. But if we tell ourselves that persecution is only physical danger, that would mean that many of us in the West haven't ever been considered worthy of suffering disgrace for Jesus' name. And maybe the truth is many of us haven't been considered worthy. And maybe we need to change that. Either way, this thought discourages me because I don't want to suffer, but I do want to know that I'm on the right track, that I am honoring God with my life, not just thinking I am. And so we need to learn how to recognize persecution, not only so we can ask others to pray for us so that we have strength and that we have courage, as we talked about two weeks ago, but also so we can rejoice knowing that we're being a light in the world, that Jesus' love is shining through our lives. Not rejoice because we're in pain, because we're suffering, but rejoice that we've been counted worthy of suffering for Jesus' name. One of the ways to know that we're being bold in our faith is when the world tries to stop us from proclaiming the good news about Jesus. In some countries, that means the threat of physical harm or prison. In other countries, that means insults, mocking, being ignored. But regardless of what persecution looks like, when the world discourages us from talking about Jesus, that's when we know we're on the right track. When we begin to suffer like Jesus did because we live like Jesus, 
we know we're letting his light shine through us. And Jesus was mocked. He was ignored. People turned their backs on him. He wasn't just persecuted physically. And I want to be clear here. I'm only talking about when we're persecuted because we're teaching the truth about Jesus with love. And the reason I make that distinction here is because sadly there are many people who claim to believe in Jesus, but in reality they only show hate when they share the truth. Some of those people receive a lot of hate back, and so they cry out that they're being persecuted. But if we treat someone with hate and they hate us back, the persecution we face is not proof that we're worthy of suffering disgrace for Jesus' name or that we're letting his light shine. It's only proof that we're being a horrible person. Rather, when we treat someone with love and truth in equal measure and they hate us back, that is the persecution that's proof We're worthy of suffering disgrace for Jesus' name. In other words, we need to be imitating Jesus before we can claim persecution is proof we're doing life right. But when we are imitating Jesus and we face persecutions of any kind, we can rejoice because then it's proof that we're living our lives like Jesus. How is it proof? Because the world is treating us like it treated Jesus. And that does not mean that persecution is easy or that it won't hurt. It will cause pain. But we can have courage because it's a sign of something more. It's a sign that we're, in de- that we're honoring God. And which is better, to please God or to please the world? The apostles rejoiced because they knew that in heaven, Jesus was looking down on them with pride. They rejoiced because they knew that God was looking down on them and was pleased that they valued his son so much that they were willing to suffer the same way that Jesus had suffered. And the same is true for us today. We can rejoice in persecution not because of the pain, but because we know that God is pleased that we care so much for his son Jesus that we are willing to suffer like Jesus did. And so that brings me to my challenge this week. When you're imitating Jesus with how you live your life and you face persecution, remember why you're suffering. You're suffering because the world first hated Jesus. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. John 15 verse 18. Remember also that the persecution you're facing is a sign that you're honoring God. Your life is reflecting God's love, his grace, his forgiveness, and his mercy. And the devil hates when our lives demonstrate that because it's powerful. It is so powerful and it changes lives. And finally, rejoice. Not in the pain itself, but rejoice that God is pleased with you because you're willing to suffer to endure the same pain that his son Jesus endured. 
Thank you for joining me today on God's Word Today's World. If you'd like to view the show notes or leave a comment, you can find the complete list of all podcast episodes over at www.godswordtodaysworld.com forward slash listen. Hope to see you next week. Now go apply God's Word to your life.